never forget why you are the church. I just want you to know that when we pray, it is not in vain. There's a lot of things we can do in this life that are in vain. Prayer is not one of them. Amen? But if, in case you were not here last week, I just want to remind you this morning and everyone here today, you just go ahead and turn your Bible to the book of Romans. Uh, we'll be kind of all over the place in Romans. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that book, so the book of Romans. But I want to remind you this morning that God demands us to choose a side. A lot of people in this world, and I, I, want, I, want, you, I want you to hear me out just before I even get to preaching this morning. Just hear me out for the next moment or so. This morning I was, or I'm sorry, last night I was praying and I was walking the halls. And let me just tell you something. At nighttime, that's a scary job, okay? But I knew I had to do it. And so, I mean, I had every, it was like 7 o'clock and I had every single light in the house on. You know what I'm saying? I had that, that light on, that light on. I even put the lights in the, in the classrooms on because, you know, you never know. You know what I'm saying? People are weird. But anyway, so I was here praying and God convicted me and just kind of put something on my heart. And I'm going to say this and, and I'm going to explain it. So when I say this, don't, don't allow the shock factor to hinder you from listening to the rest. Is that, are you okay with that? It will not be okay. That's what he put on my heart. And here's why. So many people live their life, they, however they want to live their life. They live their life saying, hey, one day I'll get right with God, or one day I'll do that, or one day I'll get with religion, or one day I'll, I'll start doing this, and I'll start doing that. And, and deep down, they believe this because the world, it's a lie that the serpent told Eve in the garden from the beginning that, hey, you know what? That's not what God said. God is a God of love. He's, there's no wrath. That's the Old Testament God. That's, God has changed, and, 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 and God will never send you to hell, and, and you can do enough good. Listen, as long as you do one good deed a day, you'll be fine. God will let you in. I want you to understand something. If your mindset here today is that it'll all just be okay, hopefully everything's going to be fine. I'm telling you right now, aside from Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, it is not going to be okay. You say, preacher, you just like preaching those kind of things. Good amen. So let me just tell you something. I don't want to preach that. I would love to be able to tell you, do what you want. Listen, hey, whatever. But unfortunately, our sin does not allow us to believe that. But you are either for him or you are against him. The church has allowed the culture to blur those lines, but understand the truth never changes. That's what makes it the truth. Now, we, we talked about last week that there are two roads to be on in this world. Matthew chapter 7 says this, starting in verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Last week, the title was Good People, in quotation marks, Good People, on the wrong road. The world will make the filth and disgust of sin look pleasurable and attractive. I want, I want you to hear me. We just sang about it. It will not satisfy, only God will. But there's another road. Now, could you imagine if I said, hey, just read that scripture and, 
And we went over all the little streets on each road and Money Street and Lust Street and, and, and all those streets that, that, that lead to destruction if you worship them in your life. And could you imagine if that was just the end of it? Just keep on going down how you're going, at least to destruction. But there's another road, amen? That's not where it ends. It's called the straight gate, the narrow way. Whereas the broad path leads to destruction, this path leads to life. And as we look at this road, the title is simple, God's people on the right road. God's people on the right road. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I am expecting victory this morning. I pray for that person right now who is sitting in this pew, sitting in one of these sections that is lost in need of a Savior. Lord, I would not be able to say this in such a way if I had not had the same testimony in my life, sitting in a pew, being at church, but I was lost. God, I pray today is their salvation. The gospel will be clearly preached. The way will be shown. And God, I pray that we can celebrate the harvest that you give. Lord, I pray for reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness. God, I pray whatever needs to happen today, may we see victory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. If you have a driver's license, that means you have passed a driver's test and a road test. Amen? Uh, unless, you know, you're driving illegally and then you need to go get a driver's license. But anyway, these tests are made to ensure that you understand certain of many signs and signals that you will find on the road as you drive. As a matter of fact, last week on, I think, I believe it was Tuesday, I took one of our students, uh, they needed help kind of getting there, so I took one of our students to his driver's test, and uh, well, not his driver's test, but his road test, and man, let me just tell you something. We got there, and there was like a sea of people, and I was sitting there, and I looked at him, I said, buddy, you better be glad I love you, you know what I'm saying, because this is crazy. Well, we ended up having an appointment, so good for Miss Brittany for making the appointment, but either way, we got uh, ahead of it, and, and so he, he went out there, and man, it was like three minutes he was done with his road test three minutes. I said, bro, that was the fastest road test I've ever seen in my life. I said, did you even go on an interstate? Like, what did you just do? He said, yeah, we went down there, turned around, came back. She said, I passed. I'm like, well, good for you. But before that, just a little funny part, and I, I told his mama I did this, okay, all right, because, you know, sometimes I play too much. But this dude's all, like, tight and just rigid, you know what I'm saying? And that's not really how you're supposed to drive. So I was trying to get him out of that. The opposite effect happened. But anyway, we were, he was coming to a stop at a red light. There was a car in front of us. And, man, he was, you know, he, he's kind of a little bit late with the brake pedal. But I, I didn't let him know it bothered me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a strong dude. I'm cool. Like, I know Jesus. If you wreck, we die. We die. We go to heaven. It's all good. But I really was kind of concerned. But anyway, so we're, we're going. And, man, he's, he's just about there. And, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> you know how you have an idea in your head and it's going to be a great idea and then when you do it you're like that was the dumbest thing because man he he was driving and he went I was like but, and then it, the funny thing is he said Pastor Jacob thank you I might have hit them I'm like oh no he thinks I actually did him a favor but listen we, <laughs> we've all we've all been to that we understand the process right Driving is important. It gets you where you need to go, right? So you need to know what you need to know to be successful in that. There are, again, certain signs and signals that most people know the meaning of, but don't exactly adhere to that meaning. For example, let's go and see. Let's see if you pass a test. What does this sign mean? No, it doesn't. 
Come on now. What it means is see if anyone else is stopping, kind of slow down a little bit, and then keep going, right? That's what that sign means. Don't lie. Listen, don't be so self-righteous this morning. You know exactly what it means. All right, what does this next sign mean? Oh, you're getting it. You're getting it. Yeah. See, this doesn't mean slow down, right? This doesn't mean hold on, the red light's coming. This means I better get past this red light before it turns red. So, so that's what that means. It doesn't mean slow down. It means speed up. Has anyone ever done that? Come on now. That's okay. Well, I guess not. All right, now what does this sign mean? Have you ever been in traffic? You ever been in traffic? Have you ever been in traffic? Thank you. And let's say that, you know, you're there and, you're, and you, are, you are full of the Holy Spirit and you are waiting patiently for this traffic to pass. During the traffic, you're not, you're not road raging. You're not saying bad words. You're not listening bad. You are praying for each and every car that passes you as you wait in traffic. And all of a sudden, you sit there and someone's just speeding down that shoulder. What does that make you feel like? Not only that, but if someone can't turn, if you've got to turn right, right, and, and you got some cars in front of you, and you want to turn right, and you're at a red light, and you think, man, it says do not drive on shoulder, but, but the person behind you says, whatever, and goes, listen, all I'm trying to say is obviously we know what these signs actually mean, right? But what have we done with these? Think about, okay, what does a yellow light mean? It means to speed up. No, it doesn't. It means to slow down. So what have we done with these signs? We have made them mean what we want them to mean. We have taken what they actually mean away because it does not apply to our lives in that moment like we want it to. Therefore, we do what we want, even though we know what it means, completely disregarding the truth on. Now, obviously, you know, again, that these signs will be taken seriously, okay? Uh, but a- accidents can happen if not. But most do not take these signs that way. They drive the way they want to drive. And let me tell you, that is exactly how people are living their life spiritually. They are, they are living the way they want to live. They are driving, per se, to get with the illustration, the way they want to drive. They are disregarding all the signs that tell them stop or tell them slow down or tell them don't do this, don't take that turn. They're disregarding all those, and we're doing what we want to do. And I'm telling you, just like in a car, that'll cause an accident. It'll cause hardship in your life. This kind of driving will not work spiritually. No, to navigate to this road that leads to life. We talked about how there is another road right? That road's name is Jesus we talked about, the way, the truth, and the life. But to get to this road, to follow Jesus, we cannot miss or neglect any signs. Now, what are these signs? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's call it a driver's test for heaven, just for illustrative purposes. But instead of signs, we're going to be looking at scriptures, amen? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, the first of these scriptures is Romans 3.23. You can turn in your Bible. You can look at the screen, whichever one is more comfortable for you. Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you remember how I put quotation marks around good people last week? It's because of Romans 3.23. See, God created us good, amen? Uh, He looked at everything. He said, man, that's good. That's very 
good. But we did not remain that way. The moment that sin entered through Adam, it has turned our good into sin. We have all sinned. That is, that is, we have done things displeasing to God. Now, what does this look like? What does this biblically, scripturally look like? Well, there's two passages that are pretty good at explaining this sinful state. And it's actually the first one in the same chapter, Romans 3, starting in verse 10. If you're there, say read. It says this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open grave with their tongues. They have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You say, well, that's not me, Pastor Jacob. Well, if that's not you, that means you're born again. And if you're not born again, let me just explain to you, that is you. And before you were born again, that was you. People say all the time, and it, and it breaks my heart, and, and I hear it. At the sides of deathbeds, I've heard this. At funerals, I've heard this. And all these things I've heard, well, they were just, they were so good. Surely God will let them in. If that is all you're basing your eternity on, I wouldn't base it on that no more. Because the Bible says there's none good. There's none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As a matter of fact, another description uh, is in Ephesians. Again, you don't have to turn there. It's on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 2, very familiar text. It says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Well, preacher, I believe that everyone has good in them, even even if it's deep down, I want you to understand something. The only good a person can have is God. That's the only good a person can have. The only good that is within me is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of the living God. That is the only good. And thank God. Well, I just, I just be on my, uh, I'll just be uh, on my good deeds and hope that they will outweigh my bad deeds. That's a that's a decent idea if the scales moved according to your standard. As a matter of fact, listen, if that was the case, let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, listen, if that was the case, I'd definitely make it to heaven because I'd get up there and say, oh, I've done this, 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 and this. What about this? Well, you know, I, didn't, I don't know if I did that or not, but I've done all these good things, so let me in. Would you not? But unfortunately, listen to me, God is not going to judge us based on our standard. Because our standard is skewed. Look at the world we live in today. Look at the Christians. Th think about even the Christians in the church house. We will justify our sin more than a lost person. God help us. But you will not be judged against your own standards. God will judge according to his holy and righteous standard. And we just learned that we have all sinned. That is to miss the mark 
of God's standard. Therefore, we fall short of his glory. Do not neglect this today. Do not neglect this. The next scripture to navigate to this road that leads to life is Romans 6, 23. The beginning of it says this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Let me ask you something. When you work for someone, what do you get in return? You get wages. You get compensation. They pay you for the work that you have done. They pay you what is deserved for the work that you have done at that time. So sin works the same way as well. See, all the evil things that we've done, all the ungodly things that we have thought and said and done, all the sin that we have committed, uh, they will be compensated but with death. It is the wage that we deserve. For the wages of sin is death. Let me explain why this is a difficult uh, uh, concept to grasp in our culture. See, we have removed consequences from our actions. We believe that we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, and it's none of your business. It's my life that I live. Therefore, I can, do, I can do all these things and no consequences. Let me just tell you something. If you're a born-again believer, let me just talk to the Christians one time. If you're a born-again believer, Galatians 2.20 says something very differently. It's not the life you live, but it's the life you live through faith in Jesus Christ. You are not your own, but you have been bought with a price, and the price was heavy. It was the life of Jesus Christ. So I want you to know, we have been taught that as long as you don't get caught, who cares? Who does it matter? What does it matter? Well, hear me today. God is not mocked. Look at Galatians 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It is interesting how we believe that our sin doesn't matter. Well, you know, everyone struggles with something. But for some reason, now listen, church, for some reason, everyone else's sin matters a whole lot. Somebody caught, listen, I'll tell you, as a pastor, some of the hardest things to receive is biblical rebuke. A brother or a sister coming to me and telling, telling me something that I had said wrong or done wrong, or whatever it is, instantly that flesh wants to rise up and say, you don't know all the good that I've done. What are you talking about? Like, I can't make one mistake. What's wrong with you? But the Holy Spirit does something very differently. See, the Holy Spirit revealed to you if, you, if you will listen, that that brother or sister did exactly what God sent them to do for you. And if you receive that rebuke, guess what? Hey, there, there's where forgiveness comes in. There's where reconciliation comes in. That's where refocusing on why we're here comes in. But it's interesting how we believe that our sin doesn't matter, but everyone else's does. But it says right here, the wages of sin is death. You, I, we, we all deserve death because of our sin. It is what our works deserve. But praise God, that's not where it ends. There's another part to Romans 6, 23. Aren't you? Listen, I just want, I just want to say this. There's a, few, uh, uh, there's a few times in the Bible where the word but is used, B-U-T. And there's a few times in that when, when it's a transition in uh, one part of, of a verse to another part or one verse to another verse, let me just tell you something. Pay attention to those because good things are coming right after that. In other words, hey, listen, that's what we deserve. But in, in uh, Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's not miss how beautiful God's word and truth is. Notice the comparison here. Let me read this for you again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. After a long work week, we get paid, and there's really nothing special about it, right? Why is I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk about, oh, it's the pay week, and they get their pay, and man, they should be happy. They say, man, well, that's just not enough. That's just, we, we, we would rather complain about getting paid for our work then we would celebrate it why because we earned it that's what we deserve uh, why celebrate something that I worked for for 40 hours 50 hours 60 hours right at that point you're just tired of being there just give me my pay so I can go on that's how pay works that's how compensation however a gift is very different a gift is extremely Different. That word gift in the Greek means something graciously given. A gift can be explained like this, something that is freely given on account of favor and kindness. So what is this gift? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The complete opposite of what we deserve, which is death. But how can we receive this gift of eternal life? Well, Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 8 expounds it like this. But God commendeth his love toward us that in, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about that for a second. Let me ask you something. Let's just, let's just get into a mindset of understanding how intense God's love is for us. Have you ever had on your mind, if you're married, just, just hear me out here. If you're not married and you understand the pain one day, what I'm about to say. But have you ever had in your mind to do something special for your spouse? Now, I'm not saying this. Heather always receives every gift and everything I say perfectly and beautifully and, and everything. But, but just, you know, in case someone else, you know, experiences. But have you ever had on your mind all day, man, I'm going to do something special for my wife. Or if you're, if you're a wife, special for my husband, right? I'm going to do all these things, right? And, and, man, you're planning it. And it's out of love. Like, man, maybe you buy flowers or you buy, you buy chocolate, right? Uh, for Heather, it'd be you buy candy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm going to do this thing, man. And right before you get home, you are excited. Like, I'm talking about you're just, there's something about it, man. I just love my wife so much that I want to do this for them. And then all of a sudden, uh, you call them on the way home. And they're mad at you. And they said, Jacob. I'm like, Heather, yeah, baby, I'm coming home. She said, you didn't make the bed. I'm like, that's okay. I'll, I'll brush that one off. Oh, and you left, your, you left your bowl in the sink. Did you not see a clean sink? How do you see a clean sink and put a dish in the clean sink? Are you crazy? Crazy about you, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, I'm still good. Jacob, I just want you to know that when you get home, I'm going to go make some shirts, and I want you to watch the kids. And by the way, Ridley's got a dirty diaper. Woo! I just got called. Someone, someone's dying or something. I got to go and, and tend to them. But listen, you know what that does? Listen, I'm just, just bear with me. You know what that does? That, that, that puts us out of that mindset, mind frame of we might still love them, but that love is a little bit shifted. Right? We're like, we're looking at the flowers in the passenger seat and we're like, throw them out the window, right? Because now we're angry. Now, now, can I tell you something? If we've experienced that within two people, could you imagine what God experiences with us? 
Look again, Romans 5, 8. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just throw that eternal plan out the window. He didn't just change his mind with all the rebellion that he saw with his people. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't sit there and say, you know what? They don't deserve my son. Come back up home to glory, uh, Jesus. No, what he did is because he loved us so much, even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still hopeless, while we were still condemned, while we were still lost, while we were still deserving of death, Christ died for us. Listen, if we ever get tired of that, there's something wrong. See, he paid it all. He lived a life that we couldn't live so he could die the death that we should have died. Christ died for us. He was the perfect spotless lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. Could we truly understand what Jesus went through? Think about it. We, we, we've seen passion plays, and we've seen the, the, the movie, and we've seen videos, and we've seen preachers and heard preachers and people explain it. But I want you to understand something. I'm going to attempt to explain what God went through, what Jesus went through. He was tortured. He was beat. He was mocked. He was stripped. He was flogged. Isaiah 52, 14 declares Jesus could not even be recognized because he was so marred and disfigured. They ripped his beard out. 1 John 2, verse 2 tells us that he had the weight of the entire world's sin upon him. Listen to what Isaiah 53 has to say about it right here. Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as, this, as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All of this so we could be offered a free gift. Let me tell you something. We complain we have to go to the store to buy someone a gift. Can you imagine what had to be went through so we could receive? Well, preacher, how do I receive this gift? Well, if you look back at Romans 3.23, it says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our what? I have found that a lot of people, listen, I, listen, so many people, I can't tell you how many people, and this is, not, this is not being being arrogant, this is not being prideful, truly this is with a broken heart, I cannot tell you how many people I have led to Christ. Preacher, I need to be saved. Preacher, I, if I die right now, I'll go to hell and I know it, I know, I know that I'm a sinner, I know, I, I, I just, I need to be saved, saved, saved. And I explained to him the gospel. They say a prayer, and I can give you a list. And unfortunately, through the fruit that we see in their life, you know what they wanted? All they wanted was to be saved. They wanted a Savior, but they did not want a Lord. Can I tell you something? You can't be saved unless he is Lord. And if he's not Lord of your life, he's not Savior of your eternity. So listen, maybe that's you here today. Maybe you've, you've cried out to the Savior, but you've not called upon a name of the Lord. That leads us right to our next scripture as we navigate to this road of life. 
You've heard me quote it many times here. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that is, that he is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let me ask you something. If you believe that Jesus did what the Bible says he did, then why be ashamed of it? Can I tell you something right now? Listen, I, I kind of share with you a little bit about this individual that he, he fell out at the gym. And me and Zach were there, and, and we ended up having to go get somebody. And, and there was a bunch of firefighters that I went down to get. I was, I was in a panic. And so I literally went down to the firefighter, and I said, hey, you need to go. I'll never forget it till the day I die. You need to go save him. He's, he's, you need, right now, go get you and your buddies and save him. And, man, that process that happened through that for the next 10 minutes, the most gruesome, the most terrible process I've ever seen with the compressions and, and just, just him not breathing and, and all the things that happened. And, 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 man, we're sitting there. We're praying for this man. By the way, I just want you to know that he's back home and he's good and, and he's going to be okay. But, but in that moment, we didn't know. I want you to know something. I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. I don't know what, which day it was, Zach, but you were there with me. Let me tell you something. When I saw one of them firefighters, you know what I did? I said, Zach, I want to go thank them. And, in, and I didn't care who was watching. I went right to him. I said, hey, I want to thank you for saving his life. Thank you so much for what you did. I didn't care who was listening. I didn't care who was around. Now, listen, you say, well, why, why, why would you care about that? You, that man saved that dude's life. How in the world could you be ashamed of it? But yet we'll come to church We'll lift our hands every now and again. We'll say amen every now and again. We'll profess the name of Jesus, but the moment we leave this place, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter that he saved our life. It doesn't matter that he took us from condemnation to eternity with him. It doesn't matter that he died the most gruesome death in history after doing no wrong. It doesn't matter that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. All of a sudden, we close our mouths, and we are ashamed of our Savior and Lord. I want you to know that word confess in verse 9 means to profess, to declare openly. <laughs> to admit that we are a sinner, and Jesus is the Savior. Look again at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is not simply going down an aisle, saying a prayer, signing a card, and going your way. Can I tell you how many people I've seen in my life here on earth going down an aisle, signing a card, saying a prayer, and never changing anything, never having any transformation, but because they did those few little things that the church says you got to do to be saved, they live their life thinking they're okay. It's not going to be okay. This is a declaration of the lordship of Christ in your life. Look at Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> Let me ask you something. What do you do when you need help? I want you to know, let's, let's, let's say that you are going down a, a path or whatever it is and, and, and you need someone to help you or save you and, and you don't know if they're going to hit. What do you do? You cry out. You, help! 
We need your help. Please come over and help me. See, when we're desperate enough that we need the help enough, you know what we'll do? We'll cry out for it. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon a name, call to cry out to the Lord. Jesus, help me. And he saves us. Well, what then? You say, well, what is, first off, if eternal life and the Holy Spirit is not enough, there's, there's even more. Look, what do I get with this gift? What comes with this gift? Well, that's our next scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, maybe you're here and you're lacking peace. Maybe you're here and you've never called upon the name of the Lord. You've never confessed him as Lord of your life and you just have no peace. You think, well, you know, everything seems to be okay, but there's just something missing. It's because you were created to have a relationship and fellowship with your creator. And when we are justified by faith, that word justified means being made righteous. Because we weren't righteous, because we weren't worthy, we're made those things through Jesus. How about Romans 8.1? Right here, I love this scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the, the, the flesh, but after the Spirit. You say, well, man, does God love him that much? Oh, he loves you enough to send his son Jesus. We've talked about that. But he, his love is so strong. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It says this, for I'm persuaded... That means I am convinced <laughs> that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in G Christ Jesus our Lord. Church today, do you realize that you are a sinner? Do you realize and believe that your sin deserves death? You say, man, this is the most hateful sermon I've ever preached. You know what's hateful? The world telling you lies that it's going to be okay. That's hateful. What's hateful is knowing the truth and not sharing it. And this, this illustration has been used many times, but let's just think about it for a second. If, you, if I had a friend that had cancer and there was nothing they could do about it, and all of a sudden, I was given the cure to that cancer. I mean, it was hopeless. He was dying. There was nothing that could be done. All that could be done was to be made comfortable, which is what the world tries to get you. And I had that cure. And everyone knew I had that cure. They said, you going to give him the cure? You have the ability to save his life, Jacob. You have the ability to at least give him what can save him. I say, oh, no. I'm going to save it for myself just in case. And I put it in my pocket and walk on. Let me tell you something. You know what that'd be? You would look at me. You'd think I was the most hateful, disgusting, terrible human being in the world. Would you not? You'd be disgusted by me. Let me tell you something. Today, it may not be cancer. It may not be. But I can tell you this. We're all going to die. There's a sickness on this earth called sin that causes every single person to die. And you can understand what I'm saying because everyone in here has experienced death to some degree. A loved one, a coworker, a friend, whatever it is. But I can tell you this right now. I may not have a serum. 
I may not have something that I just, you know, uh, splash at you. I may not have something that we got to inject in you. But I have a Savior who took it all for you. I have a Savior that, that my job is to just introduce you to Jesus, explain what he has done. It is not in a hateful way. It is not in a mean way. But let me just tell you something. The people that have prayed all week for you today, the one who is here, the two who is here, who is lost, listen, we, we don't hate you. We love you enough to tell you the truth. Will you call upon his name? Look at Matthew 7 again. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Why so few? Because we ignore and neglect the truth. I want just to share this real quick, because it's on my heart. I could not have seen our brother Bobby Bird yesterday. I could not have endured that without knowing that he had confessed Jesus as Lord. You say, who's by bird? It doesn't, it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. He was a member of this church, and, man, he was the only one ever, ever, listen, ever, so don't get no ideas that could just straight up put his finger up and ask a question and then me stop what I was doing and answer that question. I've never done that for anybody else, and I won't do it for anybody else either. He'd be like, preacher. I'm like, oh, man. Listen, I couldn't have sat by his bedside with his family surrounding him broken, I couldn't have sat there and read him Psalm 23. I couldn't have sat there if I, if I didn't know that his favorite song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow, was true to him. So all I'm saying is this. You say, oh, well, people get old and that's what happens. We're not promised tomorrow. Today, the Bible says today is a day of salvation. You say, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I'll take my chances, preacher. After what I preach, this is all I can say. Church family, you know my heart. Please don't. Amen. 